Okay, good morning. I just want to make an announcement that the front rows are not being reserved for anybody. So, uh, pastors in general have a very lonely life, but we like it when people sit close to us on Sundays. Not the rest of the week, just on Sundays. So, uh, you're welcome to come and sit in the front. Okay, I brought my teddy. I was supposed to bring my little lion, but I forgot. So, Teddy, Lord Teddy. Okay, I am sharing with you this part three of The Great I Am. And uh, this morning is, uh, is a foundational make or break sort of message. If, uh, if we don't get this, if we don't make this a part of our lifestyle, um, there's a very good chance you won't make it to heaven one day, unfortunately. Um, so it's quite a, quite a, quite important message I want to share with you. And, uh, I've been recently, uh, if you want to give this, um, message a title, I'll call it something about the Avengers. I like Marvel comics and Avengers and all those things. And, uh, but I've actually found that they are, those are actually, they're all, they're all fake. Do you know it? There's no Thor. I'm sure some of the young people are like, no, come on, can't be, must be. <laughs> and there's no Superman and no Batman, and, but they, ah, oh, I'm destroying someone's life here. And no Easter Bunny. And no Queen of England. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> But I, you know, they, they say that, I've said this before, but, you know, they have the Marvel comics, you know, say the Marvel, but the Bible speaks about, often about, and they marveled. <sighs> You're feeling me? Yes. You must read the Bible. It's better than the movies. And they marveled, and they marveled, and they marveled. And I actually found out a scripture that speaks about the Avengers. So I'm very excited about this. I want to share <laughs> with you about God, the Avenger. The vindicator, the one that fights for us, the one that, that, that backs us in the midst of trials and tribulations and crises and the darkest times of our lives, he is the one, he's our avenger. He loves us so much. So I want to share a little bit about that. And, uh, and also, I, I, a few weeks ago, I had my, my little teddy bear here, and I was speaking about the, the Lion of Judah. Our God is the Lion of Judah. So the moment you and I commit our lives to Christ, there's a massive change that happens around us. <clears throat> In the Spirit, there's a lion. In the Spirit, the Lion of Judah is walking next to us every step of the way. You know, and it's easy to believe that when everything's going well. When everything's going wonderful, it's like, yeah, my God is big and good and awesome. I just won the lottery, you know, yes. I just got a car. Someone gave it to me, yes. But the problem comes in when <clears throat> things don't look so good. The, th- the, the challenge comes in when, when you, yeah, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, when you're going through a crisis, when, when everything around you doesn't look as if it's, it doesn't look good, it doesn't seem to be working out on one level or another. And then what happens is our God, the Lion of Judah, is reduced 
to a little teddy and we feel overwhelmed with circumstances and life and you just feel we feel disconnected you feel as if god is far you feel as if he doesn't care you feel as if he doesn't love you you feel as if when you go through the valley of the shadow of death god can really feel far and so i want to share about this how how can how can we face different i'm going to look at three areas but different areas of our lives where where challenges come against us how can we respond to those challenges to turn them around into our blessing because i believe that's for me that's the heart of the apostolic flow that you can pour out more and more pressure you can do persecute you can persecute me you can curse me you can come against me life can throw everything against us we'll still flourish we'll still flourish we'll still overcome that's the life of the apostle paul that's the life of christ he, there was always a war around christ you see when you i, I read this recently uh, winston churchill said you've got enemies good means you've stood up for something at some stage in your life you know so often as christians we want everybody to like us we want everybody to be nice to us but if you look at the life of jesus you look at the life of the apostle paul there was always action because when you stand up for christ everybody is not excited and when god blesses you everybody is not excited and when you preach the gospel the good news of jesus everybody doesn't clap standing ovation we're so excited but there's something so beautiful about it that that the lord works he uses all of these circumstances to in us to lift us higher into him you see every challenge we face every persecution every obstacle in our lives it's our ticket to greater glory it is and i'm i know i've been preaching a lot about this but it's like the lord is working in me 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 i know he wants to work in all of us where we honestly don't care what people think anymore we only care what our god thinks amen that's freedom that's freedom aren't you tired of lying awake at night at some times in your life because someone didn't like you didn't treat you in a nice way or something bad has been happening in your life or maybe there's a financial crisis or whatever and the result is you're lying awake at night and you are terrified you're afraid you are worried you're stressed that's no fun i'm over that amen come on let let's let's step into the space where we know our god the great i am he doesn't change he doesn't change he reigns from heaven whether you feel like it or not but how can we position ourselves where we can know it feel it live it with bold confidence so i am tired of little teddy bear religion i want the lion Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, let me pray for us and I'm going to share the word. Father, thank you. Thank you God that you love us so much. Thank you Lord that you've come to set us free this morning from the challenges, the things that come against us. Thank you God you've called us to overcome, to be set free, to have our eyes on you and you only in Jesus name. Amen. So Psalm 23 
verse 4 speaks about that. He says, yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. The Lion of Judah is with me. And then 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 6 and 7, that I've been sharing about the previous two times I ministered on this message, where it says, we are always confident because we walk by faith, not by sight. We are always confident because we walk by faith, not by sight. And I said last time, it's not like we are confident once a year or only when people like us or when circumstances go our way. We are always confident because we walk by faith in who our God is and not by sight. And so this morning, I want to share with you this. I believe this is what God wants to do with in our lives. Hebrews 12, 12 to 13 on the screen. It says there, therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. In other words, sometimes things happen in our lives. And the result of those things, they, they become a burden for us and we become feeble. We become like, you know, hands, knees, like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. And a, a dislocated shoulder, what is it? That's a, a shoulder, that's, it's, it's out of the socket. It's dis, disconnecting from the body. So that's what happens as well. When, when, these, when we go through these things, we become dislocated. Dislocated shoulder, not very usable. And the end, it disconnects from the body, the, the body of Christ, the community of God. So what the enemy wants to do is he wants to dislocate you. He wants to cause things in your life to get you under that burden so you would give up and become like the scripture speaks, feeble, dislocated, out of the socket. So I want to speak to you about three areas. The one area is unjust treatment. Someone treated you unjustly. Secondly, I want to speak about godly discipline. Genuine correction from God. And then thirdly, I want to speak about, very just end off with, I'm going to share a story of a tragedy that happened in someone's life and how they handled it. It is such an inspiration. Such an inspiration. Okay, so Luke 17, let's look at this. It speaks of offenses or stumbling blocks. It says there, Luke 17, 1. Then he said to the disciples, this is Jesus, it is impossible, say impossible, that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. Now that Jesus is saying, stumbling blocks will come. What is a stumbling block? You're having a good time. You're walking in a wonderful direction. You're so excited. Stumbling block, trip, uh, face on the ground, face to the floor. And, you're, and there's now a crisis. Something happened. Someone did something. Someone said something. Or life happened. Stumbling block. Trips you up. Bah, face on the ground. Blood all over. It's like someone hit you. Who's ever experienced that? Okay, if you haven't raised your hand, you're lying. Because <clears throat> Jesus said it's impossible. That offenses won't come. Offenses will come. Stumbling blocks will come. We will face it. 
often the question is, will we overcome it or will it destroy us? Will it dislocate us? Will it cause us to become bitter and angry? Will it cause us to walk away from the will of God? So verse 3 says, take heed to yourselves. Evaluate your heart. Evaluate what's going on. Where are you at? If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. So I think it's even worse when someone sins against you seven times a day and they apologize every time. It's like, okay, now fix it. (laughs) But our challenge is, is when someone or a scenario where we are offended over and over and over and over again, you need to forgive. You need to let go. Or it will trip you up and you're in trouble. But amazing, now the next verse there, the apostles' responses, and the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Because it's a faith challenge. Whenever we face trials and challenges, or even people that offend us, it's a challenge for your faith. Someone hates you, or you feel they hate you, but do you still believe that God loves you? Do you still believe that it only matters truly that God believes in you? Just as an example. So it's a question of faith. Some of the other translations, it's an exclamation mark like, Lord, increase our faith. We need help with this. So, you know, to to forgive is a matter of faith. Because when when, when we need to forgive someone, it's because you need to step back and you need to see the bigger picture. You need to see, first of all, this is an onslaught of the enemy to trip me up. Number one. Secondly, I need to see the bigger picture. That who cares what a man does or a person does in the end. It only matters that God truly loves me. So that is my security. That is my anchor. That's where I'm positioned. And then the most beautiful part is where Jesus hung on the cross. When he said, Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they do. It's like when we have compassion on people say, they don't actually know what they're doing. They don't know. They don't realize what they do. So again, it takes faith. Do you know it takes faith for Jesus to, ha- to, to hang on that cross, having to go through all of that hell and rejection and cur- people cursing him and spitting on him and, and blaspheming him and, and re- you know, all those things that happen and whipping him and nailing, putting the nails through his hands and his feet Crowds of people saying, crucify him, crucify him. Now you're going through all that physical pain and emotional pain. and you go, He's going through all of that stuff and he's hanging on that cross. And now it takes faith to look. See, what is, what is faith? Faith is to have eyes to see. Faith is to have eyes. If Jesus could see, these people don't know what they're doing. And secondly... My heavenly father loves me. And thirdly, I'm so taking this devil apart. I'm sure that psyched him up as well. <laughs> I'm so slaughtering the powers of darkness here today because I'm walking by faith. I'm not living by sight. So, you know, when, when we're going through trials and bad things, you know what happens is we don't have perspective. We think, poor me. It's only me going through this crisis. It's only me, you know. Look at what Jesus went through. I promise you, whatever you're going through, it cannot compare 
to what he went through. And he was blameless. We are hardly ever blameless. Amen. So, so faith. Faith is to know that God is good and he loves you even when circumstances says the opposite. Faith. The Lion of Judah is with you every step of the way. And so they said, Lord, increase our faith. And this is my prayer, that we, our faith would be increased. That doesn't matter what life throws at us. It doesn't matter what people do. We are not victims of circumstances. We're not victims of people's behavior. We are in Christ. And we are only defined by the reign and the rule of Jesus Christ from heaven. Amen. That is freedom. Then you position yourself in a place where you can change your environment. You can change circumstances because you are no longer a victim. Let's say it. I'm not a victim. You're not. When, when we lose our faith, yes, then you are a victim. But when you have faith, you're always greater than your circumstances. You can break out. Actually, whatever the enemy throws against you will be used for the glory of God. God actually uses the enemy. To strengthen us and take us next level. That stumbling block becomes your stepping stone. That stumbling block becomes your stepping stone. And I'm, I say, Sonic and I, we've, we've really embraced this. So I'm embracing us more and more. It's just like uh, I, I know with all my heart. For where we are going, there will be more and more pressure. But God will use that pressure. To cause more of Christ to come forth. Do you know that when you're comfortable, Jesus doesn't really manifest his glory. When you are uncomfortable and you're calling out to him for help, then Jesus manifests. You see, Christ in us, the hope of glory. He's, he's on the inside. He's on the inside. But it's only when we are uncomfortable... That he actually manifests, reveals himself. I've seen this over and over again. Every trial, every test, every challenge I go through, it's like more of Jesus manifests if I handle this right. If I handle this in a godly way, I won't become bitter, I'll only become better. So I shared this uh, quote by Smith Wigglesworth a few weeks ago. And he said, if you want great faith, you need a great fight. If you want a, a great testimony, you need a great test. If you want a great triumph, then you need a great trial. Amen. <laughs> Amen. That is, I mean, that's what it says. Matthew 5, it says, blessed. This is the attitudes of the Spirit, the Beatitudes. It gives us the attitudes we should have if we, we want to access more of God and the kingdom of God. Matthew 5, I think 11, 12, around there, it says, blessed are you, happy and to be envied. When you are persecuted for righteousness. For yours is the kingdom of heaven. For yours is more of God. More of Christ. More of heaven. Blessed are you. Happy. Envied. It's like, whoo, I'm getting persecuted. Yes. Bring it on. You should envy me. <laughs> but it changes the whole game. Compared to, oh, I feel so sorry for myself. Poor me. Poor me. No, rubbish, get over it. Not poor me. No, awesome, happy to be envied. Blessed are you 
When challenges come your way and you handle it in a Christ-like, godly manner, blessed are you because you're just accessing more of the kingdom right now. You absolutely become free. So that's my prayer for myself and for all of us. That we'll come to a place where we're no longer victims. We overcome. So look at this verse. Proverbs eighteen nineteen. It says, A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. And contentions are like the bars of a castle. I often wondered, why is it so hard to win back an offended brother or sister in Christ. Why? Well, the Bible says it's harder to win them back than actually to win like a strong city. Why? Because when you and I get offended, when we get disappointed in people or in scenarios, especially in people, they become the enemy. You see, faith is to see clearly. When I have real faith, then I'm able to love, I have compassion, my, I'm able to, to heal someone's image in my sight. But when you and I get offended, when we get disappointed in someone, there's a bitterness that begins in the heart. And it's like a different glasses that you put on, spectacles you put on. And this, it's cracked. Everywhere you look, it's cracked. It's cracked. That my boss is a pig type of thing. You know? You're like, oh, he's such, a, he's such a so-and-so. So whatever the guy does is you will only see the bad. You will only see the negatives. Because you're looking through a crack. Who's ever experienced that? I have. And it's terrible. If that person has any form of sincerity or actually trying to reach you or to win you back, it's hard. It's, it's almost impossible. Because whatever they say, you will doubt what they're saying. Whatever they do, you're going to, yeah, I knew it. And everybody else is like, what do you mean? You just did that. But it's coloring in. It be, you're seeing a crack everywhere. So if you get offended, it's your responsibility to deal with the offense. Because the other person actually can't win you back. Hear me now. The other person can't win you back. If it's a husband and a wife and the wife is offended with the husband, there is no way that man can win you back unless you forgive and choose to love. Because if you are bitter and angry, and we've seen this in relationships and marriage scenarios, it's like it doesn't matter what the guy does. He's a godly guy. He does his best. He brings the flowers. He's nice. He's kind. He's doing everything. But the heart of the woman in this scenario, for instance, has become so bitter. It doesn't matter what he does. You've made up your mind. And there's this bitterness that, that pictures, that, that paints the picture the whole time. Are you hearing me? This is critical. So often we want the other person to come and make right. They can't if you're offended. Even if they try. You're just going to say, ah, they're just doing that because even if they say, sorry, ah, ah, you know. You need to forgive. And it takes faith to forgive. Especially in people that are close to us. That's why it says it's very hard. It's harder a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. I've seen this in church. I've seen this over and over again. Someone gets offended. It doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't matter how many times you say you're sorry. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry that you're offended. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. They must choose to forgive. 
So I believe there's an assignment against some of us at this stage. The devil wants you offended because he wants to dislocate you. He wants you to walk away. People at Shofar, they like this. No, we are like a bunch of people. Just don't be offended. Otherwise, you're just going to see bad things. And then it says, and contentions are like the bars of a castle. Contentions is like fighting, contentions, arguing. Do you know that conflict is not bad? Conflict is good. Conflict is wonderful if you handle it in a Christ-like way. If you handle conflict in an ungodly way, what is the result? Contentions, bars of a castle. I've seen this over and over again. The issue isn't the issue. The issue is how the conflict was handled. So it's no longer the original problem. The problem is now what you said afterwards. That has now gone deeper into the heart. Now it's like another bar on this castle. It becomes a prison, a prison, a prison. So the question is, conflict? Yes, have conflict. Address things. But do it in a godly, Christ-like way. That is your test. That is my test. In every scenario, am I manifesting the godliness of Jesus Christ? Am I kind? Am I humble? Am I sincere? Am I loving? Am I? That's the test. So how do you do conflict? How do you do conflict? When, when things don't go your way, what is the response? Is there anger? Is there accusations? Are they, what, what, how do you handle it? Because it reveals what's on the, in, on the inside. If there's a manifestation of anger in a conflict scenario, then maybe there's a, a, a brokenness on the inside that needs to be dealt with. So I'm going to share that scripture in a moment. But it speaks about a, a, a root of bitterness. Okay, but let me take you to a story. So we're talking about unjust treatment. Someone treats you unjustly from your perspective. How do you handle it? Can you handle it in a godly way? Or do you, oh, I can't believe he did that to me. And How do you respond? Who's, who has responded in a not so awesome way in such scenarios? Ah, oh, humble Christians. Wonderful, I'm speaking to the right crowd. You see, in a sense, it's, it's our test that can either be our stumbling block or our stepping stone to greater glory. How we handle it, how we respond to unjust treatment. So there's a story that Jesus shares in Luke chapter 18. There's this widow. And she's being treated unjustly. So she now goes to the judge, but the judge is an ungodly man. He does not fear God. He does not care about the widow, but the widow represents people who can't fight for themselves. They don't have an army. You can't, you, so in a sense, it's like you're in a scenario where you actually can't fight for yourself. You can't fight in the flesh and your own ability. So now you're calling upon a higher power. So now this lady goes to the judge and bugs him over and over again. Give me justice. Avenge me. Vindicate me. Vindicate me. Vindicate me. And he's like, I'm not going to do it. But after a while he gets tired. He's like, okay, fine. This lady's going to make me crazy. So he then actually gives her justice. And he fights for her. 
And Jesus tells the story because he says, now even if for an unjust judge that doesn't fear God, if he would bring justice, how much more our heavenly Father who loves us. Our heavenly Father, the Lion of Judah, Jesus Christ, the true avenger. Look at this, this verse. And again, it's powerful. It ends with faith again. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect? Shall God not avenge? Now, he's not going to kill anybody. It's not that type of vengeance. Or vengeance. It's, it's, it's vindicate. Vindicate. So you're being treated unjustly. And now you call out to God. And then he says, will he not Avenge his own elect. So look at this. And shall God not avenge his own elect to cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Say speedily. He will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? So he's saying, you're being treated unjustly. Take your pain. Take your disappointment. Take the Everything you're experiencing, take it to God, the true judge, the one who is faithful, who loves you, who, who will vindicate you when it is time. Take it to him. How do we normally respond when we treat it unjustly? We complain. Complain, complain, complain. No, take it to God. Take it to him. Maybe you're not experiencing unjust treatment at this stage, but I want to prepare you for that moment. When it comes, because it will come, offenses will come. Cry out day and night. And sometimes I think God, um, you know, when you're in the furnace, He, he lets it go a little while because He wants to build some character in you. What's going to come out? What's going to come out? Someone, someone treats you unjustly. What comes out? Because that reveals what's in your heart. That reveals that you need healing maybe. That reveals what's going on on the inside. So you're driving your car. The taxi cuts you off. And there's a funny bumper sticker probably on the back as well. Like, come on. <laughs> What's your response? Are fingers being thrown around? Curses flying into the air. I mean, that's a small thing. But what happens when we're in a work environment and someone picks on you the whole time? Or in a different, you know, in a different environment, someone close to you and it just seems that they have a knife in for you the whole time. What comes out? What comes out? What is our response? Because that will determine if it's a stumbling block or if it's a stepping stone. Okay, so you want it to be a stepping stone. Hebrews 12, 15. It says, looking carefully... Lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. And by this many become defiled. So he says there, look carefully. Say, look carefully. Lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Like fall short of the finish line. Fall short of the goodness of God. Fall short of the will of God. Fall short of their destiny. Because what happens is when you and I become offended... Our hearts, it says that it speaks about the, the root of bitterness springing up that causes trouble. Many become defiled. 
I have seen so many people over the years. I've been in the ministry now for 15 years. Been a Christian for more than 20. I've seen so many wonderful men and women of God walk away from their call, walk away from their destiny because of offense. Run away. Because they feel this was unjust. This was wrong. So they treated Jesus unjustly. They treated Paul unjustly. What was their response? I love this. This is going to be beautiful. Paul and Silas in the book of Acts. They go, they preach the gospel. There's a lady, a girl, young girl with a demon that's provoking them the whole time. And Paul says, after times, says, no, this is enough. Out in Jesus' name. Demon comes out. Her, her masters figure out they've now lost their income. So a whole mob comes and accuses them. They're brought before judges. They are found guilty of causing riots. Then they are beaten like 40 strokes. They are whipped and beaten. They're put in jail. They're put in stocks. They're in the deepest part of the jail. And there they are. Do you think they should now be offended? (laughs) I would. I would. I'm just doing the will of God. And they don't like me. Amazing. Look at their response. You'd think, but that's the end of the story. For the next 20 years, he's in jail. No. It says, at midnight, they were praying and worshiping God. They've been beaten. They've been whipped. They've been rejected. They, they bound by all these things that in this mucky prison. And they choose to pray to God. And they praise Him. They praise Him. What? Are you crazy? Well, faith looks crazy. Faith is that unstoppable confidence that God loves me and is with me. And somehow he will turn this for good. So I'm going to praise him. And what happens? An earthquake. The whole place is shaken. All the prison doors are opened. All the chains fell off them. There were a whole army of angels who were like so excited. Look at this response. Yes, they praised the living God. But what is our response when we are treated unjustly? We feel sorry for ourselves. No, let's break out of that lie. It's a trap of the enemy. You are better than that. You can break out of it. You can choose to forgive and you can choose to celebrate the goodness and the power of God. If you want to see the glory of God, that's, that is your ticket to glory. Get excited. Happy. Blessed are you. When that negative, that bad thing comes in your way. Yes. Amen. Yo. Come on. Praise God. This is the key. This is the key. If we can transition to this space and place, we will be unstoppable. Because it doesn't matter what life throws at us. It doesn't matter what people do. I'm going to love you. I'm going to be compassionate. I'm going to forgive you. Let's rise up. But it says that the root of bitterness. What does it mean? The root of bitterness is the, the source. The source gets corrupted. And only bad things come out. So, this is your test. Evaluate your heart. Something bad happens. You treat it unjustly. What comes out? What comes out? Compassion, forgiveness, humility, mercy, or bitterness, anger, and hatred. 
what comes out, it reveals the root. It reveals the source. So I want to share that with you because I want us to break out. I believe some of us have fallen into that trap. Jesus wants you to set you free this morning. Amen. So response to that. Thanksgiving. See the bigger picture. There's so much to be thankful for. Forgive and respond with love. Respond with compassion. The Bible says love your enemies. So if you have a terrible boss or someone in your environment that is whatever, love, compassion. That's a test, eh? Real Christianity. Can we love those who hate us? And when you get that right, whoo, glory. Okay, so that's the first one. Second one, quickly. Legitimate discipline. So there's a Bible, the scripture in the Bible that says that when Jesus comes back, we will be like him. We will be like Christ. What does that mean? That means one of us will need to change. And it's not Jesus. Amen. Okay, no, there's a shock of your life, but you're not perfect. Okay, let's say it, I'm not perfect. Let's say it, I can still grow. Amen. Yes. Powerful. So, I've realized this has lost well. We have a very, very encouraging church culture. So, in other words, we, we, we encourage people. That's what Sonic and I do. That's what the leadership do. We, we often and always we tell people, oh, well done. That's awesome. Proud of you. It, that, that's how we operate. That's how we do Because we, we believe in an encouraging environment, encouraging culture. Because our mission is to see every one of us fulfill their full potential. Okay, so encouragement. Yes. But what I realize now is that we don't have a culture of also correcting people. Do you think that sometimes people need to be corrected? Absolutely, myself included. But now the test is, when the correction comes, what will our response be? Because if we have an environment where we are not open to correction, it will backfire. It will, it will, it will, it will blow up. So, parents, ask yourself this question. If you would only encourage your child, always... No correction, no discipline, nothing like that. What would you create? A monster. <laughs> a little monster. <laughs> so it's part of the game, part of the game, part of life is that there is sometimes that correction that needs to come. So we want to create an environment, a culture in this church Because we want to raise up leaders, and we spoke about this with our small group leaders recently, we want to create a culture of mentoring. We want to to help people to become everything that God has called them to be. So we want to create a culture that, say, um, you were doing worship. And so we want to give you feedback. How did it go? So what we want to, we want to create a culture where we say two good things. Man, that you hit that note there, beautiful. Love that, wonderful. But one area to work on, number three. There's one area you need to work on a little bit. I'm, gonna, I'm looking for an area. This is the area that you need to work on. Because there needs to be feedback so we can move forward. Amen. Can you handle that? 
Can you handle that? Because if, you, if your mind is in the wrong space and you think that in a church environment there's always, just always, always encouragement, then you're going to get the shock of your life. Nah, I think you need to prep, prep a little bit better than that. Or as I said recently to someone, eh, don't know if you should wear short pants when you worship in Southernwood. Because <laughs> they might be offended. In our culture, it's fine. In their culture, it's not fine. It's not fine for them. So come on. And uh, well done. Received beautifully. <laughs> Hebrews 12, verse 10 to 11. It says, you must go read the whole Hebrews 12. It's, it's really powerful. It says, for our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us. God's discipline. In other words, God comes to you and says, I mean, like any heavenly, uh, any, any earthly dad, I mean, it's just, you believe in your child, you, you're awesome, I believe in you, I back you, this is what you're called to do. But then it says heavenly discipline. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. So sometimes there needs to be correction. And, and often that correction comes through people and not through God. It, God uses people. Because sometimes we don't listen. <laughs> and so then he speaks through a person. So I, I, this is my dream. I, I, I'm dreaming of an environment, super encouraging environment, church environment. People are so psyched. They are so bold for the things of God. They know God backs them and the community backs them. They can step out and go for it. But we also have a community where people can receive correction humbly. And say, oh, okay, I guess I need to work on that a little bit. True. Maybe I don't agree with everything, but I'm going to take it to the Lord. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to confirm that to me. Amen. It's the only way if we want to raise up leaders in this congregation is sometimes we need to say, hey, work on that. Hey, work on that. Okay, so that's what we want to, that's a healthy church culture. Okay. Amen. So, let me give you a practical. Sonic and I, we spoke about it recently. And uh, because I've been traveling quite a bit, there were like questions like, Ooh, is Andre maybe looking to move overseas? Officially, no. No. We love East London. We just bought a house. Praise God. So we are parked. We are parked here in East London and we're believing to change the world from here. We are going nowhere. We love this church. We love you guys. I believe in the people here. Our elders are amazing. I mean, this, the, the, the humility and the godliness that we see in this church is phenomenal. I believe we can change the world. Amen. I believe it with all my heart. You know, sometimes you speak to pastors and they, all, they complain about their people. Oh, the people. When the, when, the, when the pastor complains about the people, then you know the pastor is actually the problem. Just note to self. Okay. You're feeling encouraged. Good. Okay. One area to work on. <laughs> Church starts at 9 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Just let that settle in there. I've been building up to this. 
Ask yourself this question. Would you be late for the movie, the next Avengers 3? Would you be late? No, you won't. You'll be there early, popcorn in hand. Yes. Let's do this. Okay, all the parents, because you might say, oh, do you know how hard it is with kids to get them to church? Well, do you get them to school on time? Hmm. Hmm. Think about that. Think about that. Probably yes, because we value school. We don't want a letter from the teachers, so we get our kids there on time. So can I ask for us to be on time? On time, 9 o'clock before 9, do early, 5 to 9, just shock everybody, 5 to 9. Okay, amen, yes, praise God, hallelujah. Ah, that felt good for me as well. <laughs> but I don't have to forgive anybody. I'm just like, yes, we're here, let's do it. Okay, so your response to, 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 to discipline, legitimate discipline is believe that you are loved. Know that God believes in you. You're a son or a daughter of God. And actually, if you read Hebrews 12, it actually speaks about that. That only true sons are disciplined by God. Otherwise, you're illegitimate. In other words, if you do not know correction or discipline, you are no longer a true child of God. Because that's how it works. God is here to make us more like Jesus. Amen. Okay, so just know you are loved. doesn't matter when the correction comes. Secondly, I'd rather have pain now than future. For instance, like a dad, you know, and he speaks to his teenage son. All the teenagers listen now. Um, dad is looking at the marks. Academic marks, it doesn't look good. So my boy, you have to study. Otherwise, you're not going to make university. They know your marks. Is, it's, it, if I look at this trend, it's not going to work. It's going to be a lot of pain later. Especially for me when you're still 43 and you're still living in the house. <laughs> so I'm seeing a trend here. You know? So, so sometimes if you want to save later pain, much more pain, there needs to be correction now. Let's talk about this. I'm seeing this. You're not seeing it, but I'm seeing this. Let's deal with it so that you can have joy later. Amen. Okay, so that, that, that previous verse spoke about... That, that process. Let me let just read that again. Hebrews 12, verse 10 to 11. For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us. Always, let's say it, always good for us. So that we might share in His holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. Yes. So you feel pain after someone maybe corrected you or addressed an area. It is painful. It isn't nice. I also want people just to say, I am awesome. But often people don't. And then I must deal with it. It is painful. But afterward, afterward, say afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. A peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. And the key is, if you go back to the, the ways of how to respond Believe that you are loved. It's painful now, but it saves you from future pain. Humble yourself and receive. Is it that hard to say, I want to become more like Jesus. I am open. It's like actually 
I'm, I'm going to my small group leader and I'm like, hey, I give you license, speak into my life. Tell me if you feel there's an area I need to work on. That is godliness. That is amazing. When you go to a leader of a ministry and say, I give you freedom to speak into my life. I want to grow. I want to change and impact this world. I want to be a blessing. I give you license, speak to me. Amen. Go for it. Do it. That's it. You become a lover of truth. A lover of truth. And you're going to become more like Jesus. Amen. Okay, last one. Just want to mention a story. Ending off with this. Uh, I, I recently, uh, uh, this, this uh, Jesus Culture CD, Let It Echo, on one of the songs the Chris Kalila shares about losing their own child. Um, their baby was stillborn. And, uh, and for me, it was just incredible to hear how they dealt with it. So you can put the photo on. This is when bad things happen. This is the baby. How do you, ha- how do you handle when you are the Jesus Culture Band proclaiming God is powerful, proclaiming God is a God of miracles, proclaiming He is able to change the world, and then you as the worship leader, one of the two worship leaders, your own baby is born still. How do you respond? What do you do? Because now is not man. Now is God. God, did you do this? Did you do this to us? Where are you? Don't you love us? I thought you were powerful. I thought you were good. And um, it was amazing their response. His wife, Alyssa, she posted this on Instagram. And so I want to put the text on, but... It was, uh, he was born on the 3rd of December, 2014. And on Monday night, so it was the Wednesday night he was born. On the Monday night, at 1.30 in the morning, the doctors told us that our son had no heartbeat. And now I'm going to read what's on the screen. She posted this. With no explanation, no warning signs, no pain, he was gone. After the most horrifying night of my life, we spent two days in labor, prayer, and the comforting support of our family and friends. Forty hours of induction, and I birthed my son, who lay limp in our arms. He's so perfect. He's so beautiful. And then this. Please join us in celebrating that our boy, Jet, only knows comfort and joy for eternity. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? How's that for a response? Join us. Obviously, they're crying. Obviously, they're mourning. Obviously, they're in pain. But join us in celebrating our son is in heaven. And he will never know the pain that we know. That is so special. That is so powerful. The the. You, that tells me they have an eternal perspective. They're not just looking at the now, and they're not going to doubt the goodness of God because of their circumstances. How many of us reinterpret who God is because of our circumstances? But the Word of God says clearly He is good, and He is love, and He's not the author of death and destruction. 
In this life, bad things happen. But the question is, will it be our stumbling block and destroy us and dislocate us and disconnect us from God? Or will it empower us? Just before we went to Brazil, there was this, uh, we prayed in church for this girl, the four-year-old Sky. Ellen was there from the Thursday. I joined from the Saturday. Hours praying for this child who was declared brain dead because of meningitis with a family. And yeah, it was a lot of tears. And we kept on believing, kept on praying until Monday. And Monday afternoon, I was there again for a few hours. And then the Lord told me, the child's not coming back. Prepare the family. So Monday night, they turned the machines off. And I was here for a meeting, and then I went to the hospital, and the family was going in and out, and oh, a lot of tears, painful. Now, I went in because I wanted to encourage the family. So now, there's this four-year-old beautiful little girl lying on the bed, mouth open, white, mom next to her on the bed, weeping profusely. I've never, I've never experienced anything like that in my life. It, was like, it was, felt like a truck just drove over me. To see this child like this and the mom and the family. And I I remember then God saying to me, don't look away. Look. Look. Let my heart, let my compassion now impact you. It was one of the worst sights, most challenging experiences of my life. But I knew God was saying, don't run away from the pain. Now embrace the pain. Because if you embrace the pain... I'm going to unlock more of my glory in you and through you. What do we do when bad things happen? We want to run away. But if we want more of the glory of God, we must go to the pain and embrace people in their scenario. Because that is our stepping stone to see more of God coming. We told one another, the next Skyzy will stand up out of that bed in Jesus' name. And if we have to pray for 10 such children until the glory of God comes, then so be it. But it does not change who he is. He is good. He is love. And he's wanting his compassion to fill us so that the world can know his love and goodness. How do you handle bad things? Don't run away. Take that pain to Jesus. But for me, that what she put on that, like celebrate with us. Celebrate with us. Please join us in celebrating that our boy Jet only knows comfort and joy for eternity. It's amazing. That is the response. We walk by faith, not by sight. I want this to sit, settle in. This, this means the difference between you walking away from Jesus or you following him all your days. Because life happens. Things happen. What will your response be? That night, after, with, uh, with Skyzy, you know, I went home and I realized, I have a son. I better make sure I'm there for him. I went to my boy, I just hugged him, I just celebrated. There's so much to be thankful for. There's so, so many good things we can be thankful for. But when we lose the thankful perspective, which is real faith, we find ourselves offended. We find bitter roots in our hearts. 
We find ourselves losing our way. We find ourselves dislocating. So I just want us to play that audio. This is a short thing, just the introduction to this next song. And then, just before you play, just, then we're gonna, I'm going to put this, the words on screen. It's a song called Miracles that this dad wrote in the months after he lost his boy. So let's just listen to, to the audio. Our son, as many of you know, back in December, while we were believing for a miracle, things didn't quite turn out how we had expected. But for us, the, the journey ahead of us was, can we still proclaim the truth that God is our healer, that God is the God who raises the dead, that, that God is good? And so as, as we continued on... Um, from losing our son, it was really important for us to keep the truth of who God is in front of us. So we started writing songs, and this song um, is about God's miracle power. And for us, it was really important to proclaim that, even though we didn't quite see what we had expected and what we were praying for, but we still know that that's true. I know many of you guys were on that journey with us, so for me, it feels like this song is sort of a victory for all of us. These are your songs, too, so... Amen. Please stand with me. I'm going to pray for us. I so want us just to settle in our hearts that God is good no matter what. No matter what. Hallelujah. Father, God, as we sing this song, as we proclaim who you are, Lord, I pray that this will settle in our hearts that you're always good Even when we're going through the valley of the shadow of death, you are good. In Jesus' name.